Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. We are in the studio today, and I am as excited to talk about business today as I have been all year. I am going to learn from our guest today. He has figured something out that most of us can't even come within 10x of figuring out what he has from saving time, being able to operate a business without you being there working 50 or 60 hours a week. I'm talking about 27 years old. He's grown five businesses in two years. He has real estate investments. He's doing all this right now. Not only is he working around five hours a week inside of his business, he's working for free in other businesses to help people do the same thing he's been able to accomplish. He's doing it, he's teaching it, he's coaching it. All across the board, this is going to be an amazing episode. Chris Petty, welcome to the podcast, man. Chad, I hope your audience has brought pen and paper because we're about to drop some gold on this yes, episode. Yes, I love it, man. Tactical takeaways. Dude, I I mean, seriously, at 27, I would immediately, if somebody told me this, I'm like, man, this guy is full of it. I don't believe this for a minute, but I've seen it in action. We've got to know each other over a couple of years. I've got to learn about who you are, what all you're doing. You're in the one of the hardest fields I've ever been in, in the construction space. You own a couple of businesses in that. You're in the real estate space. You, you have a direct mail marketing company. Dude, you have all sorts of irons in the fire, but how, let's just start from, forget the story of how you got here. I want to know how you were able to build something where you're not having to be there every single day and maintain the profit, the sustainability. Like, how are you doing this, man? Yeah, so let's drop the first gold nugget. We, um, the way we actually met was I busted down your door three years <laughs> you ago. did. And emailed, <laughs> called, talked to your receptionist, and finally got a meeting with you. And I was able to take just away from that meeting enough to – boost me on to the next meeting of meeting with real estate investors on a regular basis and going into whatever industry that you want to go into, meeting with the top 10 individuals that you can possibly find and for a five to 10 minute coffee, that is going to contribute to the success in whatever industry that you're going into. And so right when I started, before I ever you know put the first hammer and the first nail in, or even started an LLC, I went in and found I wanted to be a real estate investor. So I went and knocked on every door I could of any real estate investors, whether that's Facebook, Airbnb, um, any groups that were in the community that were going on, real estate agents. If you had anything to do with real estate investing, I was going to be knocking on your door to come grab coffee with you. And so that can be applied to any industry just by being able to take the mistakes and the knowledge that they have learned over their entire career and then sit down and share that with you will prevent you from making the majority of the mistakes that us business owners make on a regular basis. Dude, I love that. And it's interesting because you had like tunnel vision and focus of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this happen. You wouldn't take no for an answer. But honestly, I think people that are busy – 
they want to be able to have those conversations. They want to have coffee. They want to get together and share information. We just don't have time a lot of times. And so you're like, hey, I'm willing to figure it out. I'm willing to meet you where you're at. I'm willing to pay for it. I need to sit down and pick your brain, and I'm willing to do whatever to figure it out and not take no for an answer. And, man, I, I, once we sat down and talked, I'm like, geez, you know, this he is a hustler. Chris is figuring it out, and he's got irons in the fire. And and just over and over and over, man, it's been cool to see you really kind of push that envelope of how to gain knowledge, how to get it fast, and how to – probably the biggest differentiating factor I see of you and a lot of other people is you implement it. You get the knowledge and immediately put it to work. And so you're not only meeting with 10 of the most – influential people in that area or 10 people that are experts in their field you're coming away and like immediately putting it to work so that that's a bit different man that's unusual yeah and there's a term analysis paralysis a lot of us business owners have struggled with getting information that's extremely valuable and then over analyzing it to where you're at a point where you're too scared to make an actual decision or you put all of your energy into just reading and then podcasts books talking with individuals and now you're just too exhausted to come out and start that business and so analysis paralysis is not something that you want to have to struggle with and being able to overcome that is essential and being able to because you'll never know every answer to every question agreed i just i just left a meeting yesterday where a guy spent a hundred thousand dollars to meet with grant cardone for four hours so he has four different meetings an hour each meeting that's twenty five thousand dollars an hour and he already already had his first meeting and shared with me the results from that meeting and he came up had a huge list of questions to ask grant and each question that he asked grant Grant would say, well, I don't know, but I do know somebody who does know that answer. So he, Grant would pick up his phone. He'd make a phone call, get somebody on the phone that knew the answer to the question, and then turn that into, hey, here, here's, here's the answer to the problem that you're looking for. And so my friend was actually disappointed when he left. He was like, you know, Grant really didn't teach me anything. These other people <laughs> taught me something. But at the end of it, he, he actually said, no, he did teach me something because Grant doesn't know the, the answers to those questions. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything that Grant says is is that I approve of or disapprove of, but we can learn from that by saying he is one of the larger players in real estate syndications and investments in the U.S., but he really doesn't know all the answers to the, the questions that make his business possible. He just knows the players and is excellent at building a team to make that be able to, to happen. And so... You don't have to know every question to every answer, but you need to know, know enough to be dangerous and then have a team or at least people that you're able to reach out and find out the, how you can solve the problem that you're looking at. Man, I, I could not agree more, and that is over the course of my career, I feel like that's been the biggest factor in the levels of success I've achieved is just the speed of implementation and being willing to not wait on perfection, not even know the answers. Let's just go and I'm counting on sheer experience and decent decision-making to help guide me along the way. And I think because of that, I've been able to really speed up that process of being able to learn and implement and get into different businesses and different investments and do things at just a much faster pace than a lot of other people. Because I don't, I know I don't know everything. And I know if I wait until I do or attempt to, the information is going to be dated anyway. So let's roll, let's get going, let's build experience, not 
made up knowledge on the front end and build teams along the way to help kind of fill in those pieces <laughs> you're did, was it worth it? Was the twenty five grand worth it? Did yeah, you say he actually was able to get one of those contacts and refinance a large apartment complex loan, get a lower rate, and cash out seven hundred thousand dollars. No way! So he free. turned a twenty five thousand dollar meeting, which sounds insane, yep. into a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar benefit. Absolutely! And oh so my God! He, he gave me the examples like why. You know, when I was younger, I would spend a thousand dollars to go to a conference, which produces a, a good amount of return. Right. You go in and network. You go in and, and hear speakers. You're around and saturated in the topic that you're looking to get information from. So, if what's the difference now that he's in the big leagues? He still has to fork out a little bit of money, but ends up taking that and ten x and that that return. And so, don't at the beginning if you have ten thousand dollars of credit card debt you know don't go to a conference and sign up for courses and you know because no that's not the type of investment that you need to make from day one but there are people that you can essentially pay for going to a conference and they put so much effort and work into building there where they have the speakers that you want to hear and that you want to get in front of that may be impossible to grab coffee with but you can still grasp a little bit of knowledge. And then you have an audience that are around you that's just endless networking and endless possibilities. I went to a conference a year ago and now have a business partner out of that conference. We live on two different parts of the state. We had no similar connections. The odds of us eventually bumping into each other was very slim, but we did at this conference. We have similar intentions. We're similar age and boom, we, we have a, a very well established business that runs smoothly and that was a, an exact result from me going to that conference. Man, I love it. Question for you. How much are you spending per year right now on education? Conferences, yeah. coaching, what are you what are you investing in to grow yourself and your business? Yeah, absolutely. I spend around five thousand dollars a year, which okay. is is books any type of coaching, conferences, uh, travel to go to the conferences, any type of learning platforms that I currently use, whether that's a, a calculator for how I calculate my real estate deals. Uh, so there's definitely not a set number that you try to achieve, but you need to be able to at least have some form. And there are plenty and plenty of resources that are 100% free when you're starting out. When you're new, you're trying to knock down two or three real estate deals. Do not go spend money on a $5,000 course that some guru is sending you. You know, you can go to your library and read 10 different books that are going to be skip the flip, rich dad, poor dad, um, how to uh, win friends and influence people. Just there are so many books out there that'll teach you how to be a well-rounded business person for free. Love it, man. Love it. All right. So step one: meet with experts, meet with professionals, build a team, do all those things. Um, that helps you learn what not to do and helps kind of give you some shortcuts. But that still does not teach you how to build a business and not work in that business 40 or 50 hours a week. So many of us as business owners, entrepreneurs, we are doers. We are not delegators. So again, how did you take that? How did you start something? And how did you find yourself in a position where you're not grinding it out seven days a week in the beginning? Yeah, so I'll break this down into two parts. Part one is realizing the mindset. It comes 
from I had to take myself out of a nine to five mindset that what motivated me the most was not going to spend the next 40 years making somebody a millionaire, somebody a billionaire, and spending 40 hours a week. And that motivated me. That that established my why. That established the motivation and then the mindset that I really want to do this. If I was to pass away tomorrow, I know now that my wife and my soon my expect we're expecting a child so <laughs> congratulations by you. the way is this the first on the air sharing that of, is the first on yes the so, first here again on the stronger business podcast but if i was to pass away tomorrow they would be taken care of and that is solely because of the assets and, and the businesses that i've put in place that run themselves and that was my true motivation and so the two is kind of how we did it so when you're walking into a business from day one you really never want to invest in a business that you could not see at the end goal that you would run on. You would be able to have an absentee owner. You would be able to step away from that business and go to a vacation in Mexico and that business make generate the same return as you would if you were sitting in the office chair in the office seat running the business hands-on. And so at the beginning, it's almost inevitable to start a business without having to have a little bit of dirty work and a little bit of hands on it to make that business start and run but you have to have that end goal to where you can eventually step away for instance i just started a direct mail marketing company i spent about five to six weeks 40 hours a week on this direct mail marketing company to got it to where we were in the evolving phase we did a couple test markets we ended up coming out, getting all of our vendors set in place, everything that we needed to do to establish it. And then I go out and find a partner. I go go find somebody who's more motivated than me, that has the time. So I found a real estate agent who's 22 years old. And I sat down with him and said, look, I'll give you 49% of the profits of this business. <laughs> and you take over the business and I'm gonna be a silent partner. and." He ran with this thing. He came in out swinging. He, he got our contracts together, our agreements. He started selling other markets all over the state of Georgia. And so you can do that. You can do something as simple as creating a partner to be able to help share the responsibilities. Or like my other two businesses that are in construction, I was able to create and put people in place to where I didn't give up any equity of the business, which is you know a big recommendation of myself of not giving up that equity sure. unless it's absolutely impossible to have that business created or to expand without it. So I put people in place that knew and gave them the responsibilities, that easy mundane task that employees or subcontractors can can do and perform. And I, I stepped away to see what would happen and there are always going to be some tweaks that you have to make and you may spend one or two hours you know checking up rehiring doing your high level task your high ticket items hundred dollar an hour to items but if you find yourself filling out a quickbooks invoice that is a low ticket item that is low-hanging fruit that anyone out there with a, a high school or college degree can can take care of that responsibility and take it off your plate so then you can focus on bigger ticket items such as growing a new business all right, so let's take the construction side because that, man, for me, that is the most impressive because that is such a hard field. You got materials, you got schedules, you got undependable subcontractors, you got clients that change things, you got 
subjectiveness behind quotes and quality. You've got invoicing and all the things that come along with it. And so when you were starting that, how did you figure out enough to know how to train people? Or did you hire people already trained? Did you say, hey, I'm going to lose money for X amount of time until I figure this out? What was the strategic steps that allowed you to just step away and with a lack of honestly experience of being able to train somebody or being able to know kind of what you were going to encounter? Yeah, I found a failing painting company. So I I own Painting and Flooring Company. Yep. I found someone that was already equipped, already set up, van, Ah. insurance. their, Their guys are already established, but the one thing that they lacked was consistent work and being able to price out their projects. Okay, so, so you're like, I can drive work. I can drive work. So I come in and offer them a percentage of whatever we invoice goes directly to, to my worker. And so okay. my lead, he owns his own business and his own entity. And so he is able to, he purchases the paint, he pays for his vehicle, he pays for his insurance, and he pays his guys. The only responsibility that I have is to cre- make sure that I have work for him laid out every day. So you've day. got little to no overhead. Correct. I have some marketing, my attorney, my CPA fees, very minimal uh, overhead for a construction company. And so I then figured out, okay, painting and flooring is tough without an estimator. How can I eliminate at this point in my career to not have an estimator? Well, if we work for property management, if we work for investors, all of those units will be pretty similar. There's not gonna be any 20 foot ceilings with chandeliers hanging from them. So I can give a a square foot price. So then I can turn around, make up a price sheet, hand it over to the investor or the property management. They know what we're gonna charge before we ever step foot. The hours of quoting per project, the email and the quotes, the waiting on approval, all that you cut out. Done. And so now we have repetitive clients, which then takes away the marketing. So now we have a system in place that I can work one hour a week and I can type up an entire week's worth of work that'll automatically go to my lead's phone and then he does not need to call me the rest of the week unless there's some type of of real emergency and they they know the paint color, they know what flooring to get, they know where it's going to be and it's 100% automated from that point on. Man, is that that something you trial and error and learned along the way? Is this something you read in a book? Is this something that you just common sense said, hey, this is the way I want to do it from the start? Yeah. So the way I actually got into painting is I started a little handyman side gig. So I was the actual worker. It was just me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. And then we come into, well, some of these items, I need a second person that's going to be there to help me do whatever task we're trying to accomplish because it was impossible to do with just one person. If I had to take a treadmill up three flights of stairs, that's not gonna happen with just me. So then I come in and find a part-time person that's gonna follow me when I need them. And they, they looked at me one day and said, Chris, I don't like hanging up pictures and putting together treadmills. I'm a painter, I like to paint. So I said, okay, if I can keep you busy with painting work, would you want to just paint every day? And he said, absolutely. And so that person no longer works for us because we had to have an established business that I could solely rely on and provide them with work every day. But we fell, I fell into that painting business. And so I didn't step back and say, okay, can a painting business be ran on its own? I had to figure out 
and and I and I lost other types of clients. You know, we sure. no longer do a ton of residential work or a ton of commercial work where I'm having to look at new blueprints every single day because that takes time away from what I love best. Okay, so number one, you played the long game, which is rare at your age and starting out in business. Number two, it sounds like you, in some form or fashion, weren't terribly money or profit motivated. Because I think the trap we fall into as entrepreneurs a lot of times is I want to take all the work. I'm scared to say no because of the money or I need the money or what if I don't have a job in six weeks. And also, too, we're not willing to share in giving 49% of our business or we're not willing to start subbing out or contracting out that early because we want all the profits. Is that, were you just such a long-term thinker that you knew this was going to win or were you like, hey, I want freedom over money? How did you, how were you able to make different decisions than most of us at that point in building a business from a, hey, how do I just maximize profit or how do I put as much money in my pocket as I, as I can, which it's obviously a bad idea when you're starting out if you want freedom or scalability. So my passion is real estate investing. Okay. And so at this point in time, I had already had a couple other real estate deals under my belt. So passive income so was passive already income like was the the number one needle mover for you. That's right. And so when I started, I was just now getting married. We didn't have these high expenses. My wife had a decent job. Oh, so then now you're now, preaching my love language. Live on less than you make. That's right. So now my sole goal is passive. If that is me making $5 a day, you know, that's a win as long as I don't have to think about making the $5. Because now I can go in and take energy and put it and say, okay, how do we increase that $5 or what do we do somewhere in a different category? And that, you know, I don't think money will never bring you happiness. Money may make things easier. You know, if you're not happy in where you are right now, then you're not going to be happy if you have a million dollars in the bank. Sure, will it be easier? Absolutely. You may not have to. You sleep better at night. Or you could could be the complete opposite. (laughs) So money wasn't the motivator when I was deciding how to uh, structure. It was, okay, how passive? How is this going to be the least passive or the most passive that it could possibly be in still being a business? Do you realize this mindset is extremely rare for any age, much less in your 20s, right? Like, this is unheard of. Okay, so 99% of society tells us to trade our time for money. Everything we learn, typically by our parents and in college or high school, is how to trade your time for money. So how in the world did you develop the passive income mindset? Where did that start? When did that start? And why? So success is never a surprise. You don't wake up and you're 10 pounds overweight one day and then the next day you have a six pack. So it takes tons of time in reading books, listening to podcasts, meeting with those investors or whatever in industry you're going to meet with. So that initially was the start of how I developed the mindset. Once you can really break through and realize that you making a six-figure salary and a nine-to-five is not going to make you a millionaire in 10 years, then throw that out the window and figure out what will. Because unless you love making just enough money to get by, pay Uncle Sam your 30%, and you 
can kick kick their bucket at 65 and go live in your beach house in Florida and then spend 40 hours a week relaxing, then you once that is turned around and you say, okay, I can actually am able to retire in 10 years if I set my goal to do that. But if I set my goal to retire at 65, you're going to retire at 65. It's not going to be a surprise. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'll tell you, kind of along those same lines, I had a guy that in my hometown I grew up in uh, when I was a senior in high school, he told me something. I, I, he made a lot of money. He had his own firm. He was on board of a bank just all in my little small town he was he drove like a little mercedes convertible like pinnacle of like success and he told me something before i came to college that stuck it was a friend of mine's dad something that stuck with me and really just kind of changed the trajectory of how i thought thought about everything moving forward as he said you will never get rich doing your job and that dude that stuck with me and kind of goes back to what you said if you're if you're making 100 grand a year from nine to five that's great but you will never build like massive wealth or, or passive I, income doing that. I haven't met somebody that works a nine to five that is able to retire or have financial freedom and do what they choose to want to do at any age under 50. And so it's almost impossible unless you're able to generate some type of passive and even their rare exceptions of where if someone lands a $250,000 a job year, but the odds are they're going to have some massive debt. That's the, that debt's not making them any they're income. They're buying a $2 million dollar personal house. They're driving a $200,000 car they finance. That's so right. They get right back in the rat race just out right. of, with a lot nicer stuff. Um, you talk about meeting people that's multimillionaires and passive income. How many multimillionaires have you met that don't own rental real estate? Very few. So majority, and this is a statistic that I've heard, I don't quote it, but 90% of all multimillionaires, so this is not your millionaire next door, I'm talking about next level multimillionaires, got there by some sort of real estate investing. And they may not have solely done real estate investing, but they had a part and played in real estate. And so it is almost essential because it's one of the biggest ways you can build wealth and build wealth over the long run that'll last generations. If you can find a way to generate and get into real estate investing and get into a deal that then turns around and offers so many great benefits. Man, I feel there's no better way and no simpler way to build wealth than rental real estate. It's it's almost a no-brainer. I don't understand why everybody doesn't have some version of involvement in rental real estate because it's such a not easy, simple way to guarantee massive growth and wealth. And again, it just comes back to being able to spend less than you make and getting out of the rat race and you know getting into the investments as opposed to expenses, which I know you're a huge fan of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, is that your favorite book? Absolutely. All right. So I... I mean, for any of you listeners out there that have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, it is it will teach you so much about income-producing assets and how to get out of the rat race and how to spend less than you make and take that money that's extra and invest it in income-producing assets. Obviously, real estate, stock market, businesses, all sorts of ways to do that. But find things that pay you money, not cost you money. And that... Almost everybody I know that's, you know, 
in their 20s, 30s, and 40s that's read that book, it's been life-changing. That's right. And, and let's break down a deal for the audience. So I was right out of college, spent two years in college ministry, no money in my checking account. What my second deal that I ever did, I came to the table with $4,000 and turned $4,000 into $300,000. So I'm about to show you exactly how we did that. One of those meetings that I was telling you about at the beginning of this episode, that I sit down with investors once a week, came to me and said, hey, Chris, you were sharing a little bit about your interest in real estate investing. I'm going through a divorce. I have a quadplex that I want to get rid of. Let's go take a look at it if you're still interested. So sure enough, we go and look at it. I don't know really anything that I'm looking at. <laughs> but but I say, okay, you know, I'm not working with much money. Can you own or finance this? And so he gives me the option to own or finance a quadplex. He says, I want $180,000. Give me four, four grand, whatever you have down. I'll give you a 5% interest rate over 15 years. I was like, okay, so then I, I know what my payment would be. What is the cash flow? What's coming in on the rent? And so I study the rent. I find out that the market will accept a $900 rent amount for a one bedroom. His rent amount was $450. Then the three bedrooms, the, it, the market will sustain around $1,500 in this area a month. Well, they were right at $700. So I'm like, okay, this sounds like a great deal. I can do some value add stuff. I'm already doing a little bit of painting. So if I get rid of my four grand, I don't have any money left. Well, I have enough labor that I can stretch to get these units at least painted and maybe some floor laid down. And that is it. So come in, owner finance it, four grand down. I We, we roll the closing over into the loan. So he then takes that. I'm four grand out the door. Come in, get one tenant out at a time. Take a tenant out, paint it, get the rent up to market, spend a few months doing this, and I just walked away with that deal and sold it for $480,000 and spent maybe five grand, six grand of my own money because I used a little bit of the cash flow to paint it, to put the flooring in. So I was able to turn five or six grand into a $300,000 payday. Dude, exact same thing happened to me, almost identical. And and I've been able to replicate it numerous times. I think people feel like that's some like lucky breaker, man. That's, I would never stumble on a multi, you know, family complex with a situation to buy it or own the finance. It's out there. You start putting yourself out there for me. I stumbled on, it was a a rental property, it was a three bedroom, three bath, and it was a cottage, and the guy needed to get out of it. He had a bank loan on it at a local bank, he paid $180,000 for it, he was going through some financial stuff, he was going through some family stuff, he owed one forty dollars on it and said, if you just pay me five grand and take over payments, then I'll sell it to you. Bank transferred the loan, I paid five grand. It was being charged, I think at that point, rent was around 300 a bedroom. They were charging, so it was around 900 a month. I bumped rent up to 1400 a month for the unit. I kept it seven years. I had to put a couple thousand dollars in it to catch up property taxes for that year and a couple other little things. Seven years later, I had paid it down to about 100 grand and I sold it for 200. And so after I cleared everything, real estate commissions, everything out the door, 
I had $68,000 left over. I rolled that into another project. That project I ended up selling for around $550,000. I turned $7,000 into a little over $300,000 in my pocket. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know anything about rental real estate. It was just, let me figure this thing out. And so I think those steps are so much easier and less intimidating than people think they are. It's it's out there. If you put yourself out there, if you start looking, if you put the word out, things will show up. And I think that's awesome. You've been the, the king at doing that in so many different areas. And just going to meet with people or really, you know, putting focus into, hey, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. This is what I want to build, which I'm just so intrigued, kind of taken back to your mindset of, all right, when you're going into these things, do you already have an exit strategy in mind? Or are these all, hey, I'm going to build this as far as I can and just see where it goes? What type of mindset on the back end of these things do you have? So the goal in real estate is to keep your assets as long as possible, if not forever. Okay. The reason that I did decide to sell this one asset was actually two parts. One, it was a 60-year-old building. The units were stacked on top of each other. If you get one unit in the middle that is playing music at midnight and jamming out, having a rock concert, you're going to disrupt the entire quadplex. Two, I had a lot of, I was under leverage. So there was around 300 grand sitting in the property because my loan was so low on it. So now when you compare how much cash you have in the property and how much you're generating profit in a year, that percent was pretty low. So I was doing about the same as if I sold it, took the 300 grand and put it in a 5% CD. You know, not a good cash on cash return because of the property appreciating so much since I did add the value to it. So I can take and sell this asset, take that large sum and then come around and buy four or five more real estate assets with it or invest it into you know, multiple business ventures. And so at that point, I could have done a cash out refinance, but to earn today's current interest rates and market values, I did make the decision to invest it into other areas, not saying that that's a right or wrong play, because you can easily pull that cash out, accept the interest rate that the market is currently, and then that money is tax free you're getting because you're taking a loan and your tenants what's the best is your tenants are going to pay that loan back you're going to do a cash out refinance you can go buy whatever you want to with that loan if you're wanting to go buy a $200,000 boat you can go do it and it's tax free you're in in, as long as you keep that property the tenants are going to pay that loan back and so I chose to go one direction not saying that direction is the right or wrong but evaluated the situation that I'm in, this was what made the most sense for me. Do you hire property managers or do you manage everything? So I manage because I have the construction groups. They're all located around the property. I use management software that makes it very easy to where I get a single email if there's something wrong, forward that email over to the guy who already works for me and he handles it. And so that is in both areas because I do own in totally two different parts of the state and have rentals in both. So I'm able to structure and have that opportunity, but I do recommend finding the right property management to make it truly a passive asset. Which when it comes to passive, you just mentioned software and and I want to 
understand more on the business side and on the real estate side, how much do you leverage software inefficiencies to only, you know, providing opportunity to be able to work only five hours a week? Absolutely. So I, for real estate, use something called Inago. Inago. Never heard of that. Inago, spell that. What did I that's a bad you don't want me to ask me to spell on, on live air is it with an e or with an i i i and not go with an i all right there we go so i can put <laughs> I in maybe either. 30 minutes of work when i acquire a unit i come in there put in the address square foot the bedrooms everything that's pretty essential and from there on out it's just a few clicks of the button i post it to go live it posted across 10 different websites zillow trulia rent ready all these these active live real estate listings where then a tenant can see the picture see the property apply if that application comes through with a green light then they will be sent a lockbox code to where they can come in go look at the property see if it's something and then if they want to sign a contract they send me a message it auto generates the contract they sign they do their deposit through Inago and then move in so there's only a couple times where I have to push a few buttons. You don't show up. You don't show it. You don't Tenants do it never meet me. They don't know who Amazing. I am. Amazing. You know, I don't go to properties. It's the same thing. And this is a benefit that a lot of my rental properties are in the northwest part of the state. I live in the totally opposite part of the state. So I don't have a choice. Unless I want to go drive six hours, three hours there, three hours back, I had to figure it out. And that was the best thing because if it was a mile down the road, I'd probably go do all that stuff. And that's not what my goal is. And that's the same thing with my construction business. I own a this painting and construction business, and one of them is three hours away from me. I've not been to an estimate. I've not been to a job. I've not seen my guys in a year and a half. But we can still run a extremely profitable company and do that as long as there are some systems in place. So how are you maintaining quality? Like that's the biggest challenge I see when people are trying to own companies remotely or do jobs remotely, other parts of the state, other parts of the country. They just can't get their subcontractors or their partners to maintain quality because they're not supervised. Yeah, so motivation is key. Find out what they're motivating. And when you give such a large percentage of profit and you share, my leads make more than I do just through that one asset and one line of business because they know they see every dollar that comes in and i want them to know that if they're going to be putting in the majority work they're going to be really taken care of and my crews have already been established so they know if i leave chris and giving up money to streamline and get passive passive. so they know if they were to leave me that they would actually make a lot less money because of they've already done it on their own. They already know exactly how it works unless you're gonna have somebody who spends time in putting all of this together to make it a well-oiled machine. So they absolutely love the way that we're structured, the, the compensation that they receive, and they have full, we have full transparency. Is this, did you get lucky in finding the right people or do you think you could replicate this over and over in the same industry or different industries? Yes. So I I believe in a little bit of luck, but not that much luck. I went through seven or eight guys. You know, I spent the time, I spent the effort until I found the So you didn't give up on the model. No. So you, you, nobody is willing to cycle through seven or eight people to get here. That's the difference. Ah, it makes sense now. So you didn't get lucky. You really put in the work. You have to. And I learned so much by doing that 
And, you know, sure, at one point I'm like, okay, this is never going to happen. There's not, there's not a person out there. Yes, there is. There's always going to be some sort of answer, some sort of solution to the problem. And so I kept going and going and going and finally found the absolute perfect fit for what I was looking for. And that took time and stuff. And so nothing is passive from day one, like we were talking about at the beginning. But it's got to have a goal in the end. And so if it can't be turned passive, I didn't have a big interest in it. This was the way we were going to do it to make this be passive. So we didn't have any other so, options. All right, so what's the what's the time horizon to drop it or it be passive? Is it, yeah, hey, I'm going to see this for six months? How, did, how do you know how far to see it through before all of a sudden you're working 50 hours a week and it's been a year? That's a great question. So you, I think then at that situation you can turn in and see because, A, you've already met with the 10 best in the industry where you have been able to sit down and see, hey, how much income is possible to produce from whatever I'm chasing, so this painting business. So I can see, all right, if I've spent six months and I haven't seen this go anywhere, is it worth spending four or five more months if it doesn't work out and not being able to have it or if there's such a big reward at the end continue to push or even put people in place to be able to push for you all right i like that yeah is the market big enough or is the numbers big enough to see this through for another four or five or six months that's definitely makes sense and man it's it's so easy to sit here and talk about, but in the weeds, it's so freaking hard. And, you know, figuring out that growth versus delegating versus reputation versus scalability and um, going into it with the mindset of, I am building a company from scratch that I want to be passive for me. And it comes back to, and it took me 20 years to learn this, as an owner, the business should serve you, not you serve the business. And I think a problem with a lot of entrepreneurs and you know, a lot of doers is we think our role is to serve the business and it's not. It's for the business to serve us as owners. We're building this business to gain freedom. We're building this business to build our dream life, not to have another job or another nine to five. And have you, I assume you've probably read E-Myth. Absolutely. It's a fantastic book on, uh, uh, on that whole concept and a life-changing book for anybody out there that's kind of stuck in the, the technician part of their business. Um, for you, what's Tell us what's going on right now. Like, what's what's the next stages in these companies? What's the next stages in like investment? You obviously have a baby on the way. Does that change things? What's what's the future look like for you? And what's going on right now with with your time every week? So we are in the process of expanding this direct mail marketing company. Okay. I'm meeting with the individual that I was able to give a large percentage of profits to. Um, we met yesterday. We're going through a little bit of the paperwork, and I'm getting ready to push him on his own and push him to where he's 100%. I'm a silent partner. Don't call me unless it's an emergency. And so with that being said, there comes a point to where you create this passive income to where somebody can spend 40 years doing that and never actually and have so much passive income coming in to where they could have retired 30 years ago so i have a baby coming up right now is the time that i'm going to take a couple of months and just enjoy what i've been able to establish and that is kind of the what it's all about and that's the reason that i'm doing this is so i can go in and spend have breakfast with my wife and go take a, a 
a lunch walk and then go play golf and then enjoy a lake visit on Thursday and take spontaneous trips. So I plan to spend the next three to four months just loving my wife well, enjoying taking a little time slow, and then who knows what's going to come after. Dude, that's super exciting. And at your age, it's just an unbelievable opportunity and a testament to what you've built in passive income and also the opportunity of providing other people uh, inside of being business partners or working with you to do these things. And I think that's so awesome and, and rare. Um, I want to I want to dive into a story that that kind of takes us back to you having free time and you learning and growing and just really thinking outside of the box on how you approach stuff. So you and I have met a few times over the years. We've had breakfast. We've talked about business stuff. We talked about some different things and uh, been to a couple conferences together. Uh, and so back up about two or three months ago, I get a call from a friend of mine and he said, "Hey." And I got this crazy story. And I think you know this guy. Like, I put this ad out, and this guy, like, called me and said, hey, I want to learn to do that. I'm willing to work for free if you give me a truck. And he's like, I started asking questions, and he's got his own business and a construction company, and he only works, like, five hours a week, so he's got spare time, and he owns some real estate. And I'm like, you know, is this guy legit? Is he like full of crap? You know, why is he willing to work for nothing or for free or for a truck? Or now he's talking about, you know, coming. I'm like, hey, I may need your help coming in and helping manage the business or consulting if you know. He's like, I don't know what to believe or not to believe, but I think you know this guy. It's Chris Petty. Is this legit? Is this guy like completely off his rocker? And I just like could not quit laughing. And I was like, man, it is. It is legit. Like he, I don't know how. I don't know how he's figured out what he's figured out. But I do know he does not work very much. He's got multiple companies, multiple in real estate investments. He's crushing it. He's super smart. Like I'm a little blown away and kind of find it hard to believe too because I'm 20-something years into this thing grinding 50 hours a week still figuring it out and uh and then when you got here today i'm like hey did that work out and you're like yeah i'm consulting you know once a week and again i think you're doing it for free right yeah so i saw a post on facebook three months ago that said hey we're an established electrical business we do majority commercial new builds we're looking to hire an electrician and you are not an electrician i am not an electrician and so i send him an over an application and said hey uh, there was really no way of contacting him. I said, hey, you know, I will work for free to do some consulting. Sure enough, he gives me a call, so confused, and I expected <laughs> him to be. So I sit down, and we end up getting a meeting face-to-face. He owns a very large, prominent electrical company, and I have no interest in electrical, but I have interest in that relationship. So I say, I am willing to come in and evaluate your business. I'm going to work for you one hour a week for absolutely free. So we did end up establishing so I could get a jump start. I did go with his crew for four days. I think he said he just wants to ride around with my people for a couple weeks. He's like, who does that? So I said, look, you're going to pay me for some time because I'm actually going to lift up, you know, a hammer and a tape measure and, and get to work. So I was like, look, give me 20 bucks an hour. I'll ride with your guys. Don't expect much. I'll learn your business during that time. Let's do that for four days, one day a week for four weeks. I'm going to come in after that. We're going to meet on Wednesdays at 9 o'clock, and then we're going to figure out how to get you all out of this business. And so they, there's two owners. They both work 40 to 50 hours a week. I was like, we're going to put a system in 
to where we can get rid of 20 hours a week, and that's going to be our goal. So every Wednesday, we meet for an hour, absolutely free. I don't do any work outside of the time, but we've been able to put a system in place to where they can quit writing down all of their work orders on pen and paper and everything be more automated. And so they already have a staff member that is looking for spare work to do, (laughs) training them up to be able to take over all of these small nitty gritty, meeting the guys in the vans at 7 a.m., filling their trucks up, giving them a pencil and paper work order that's scribbled on, having them calling them 10 times a day with questions because they can't read the handwriting. You know, just simple, and they are very well established with seven or eight electrical crews that are working all over the state of Georgia. Very prominent business, very successful business. But again, both of the owners, they're, they're in, in the business working, they're not working on actual business. They're also at you know a retirement age to where next five or 10 years, easily be able to want to sell a business. And so we're putting in and establishing these softwares that are absolutely, I mean, it's maybe 200 bucks up, a month and that's for a full shebang and that's not that's a drop in the bucket and so just something so easy to establish they have just not had it placed in front of them or, or ever looked for it so i'm like hey i'm going to come in i'm going to create a great relationship i'm going to do this from free and i don't expect anything in return but i'm going to learn how a five million dollar four million dollars that was my question why are you doing it for free what's your win in this thing yeah so i'm going to be able to see how a large business and and the four or five million dollars is a number i'm just making up sure say it is a five million dollar business i can see how a five million dollar business operates i can come in and then and look how a staff of three to four people and managing crews of eight to ten and see if that's something that i could see myself doing in the future how it's ran I have no interest in being electrical. I have no interest in opening up electrical, but I can take a lot of that knowledge that they're going to use and then reiterate that and the relationships and networking on the way. I mean, we've already been, just like you said, he's already called from day one, called somebody in the community that's prominent, and my name was brought up. So I can then be an easy reference to to open a door to whatever direction that I want to go and say, yeah, I did consulting for three to four months. I worked for ABC Electrical. Immediate credibility. Absolutely. They're going to call them up and say, hey, I got this crazy kid again, you know, calling me and saying, hey, he wants to have coffee (laughs) with me. This time it's going to be a $25 million company. (laughs) Exactly. And and he's going to be like, did he really work for you for free? And they're going to say, absolutely. Did he want anything in return? He didn't ask for a thing. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing, man. I, makes, I could not quit laughing when I got that phone call. Because he didn't, the first part of the conversation, he didn't even tell me who it was. But I knew. I was like, oh, I know. Like, I know where this is going. I was like, I, I've connected the dots here. So, man, that is hilarious. All right. Favorite part of the show. We could. There's so many things we could give on tactical and tips, and we could go on for another hour. But we're going to save that for another episode when we catch up after we both have babies and we both figuring out this work-life, uh, family, business balance. But for today, my favorite part of the show, this is where we get to do the max out moment. This is where we've talked about a lot of stuff. you got a lot of things figured out. There's a lot of things our listeners are out there struggling with. If you could leave them with one takeaway one tactic one tip one piece of advice something can go out and do this weekend 
that makes them stronger in their business or in their life. What would be your max out moment? So I'm going to give you an a tactic, and it's going to be a very, very yes. easy, applicable tactic Preach. that you can take away from this. And if it's the only thing that you take away, I'm okay with that. And it's not going to be something that's extraordinary. But if you want to go into, say, you own real estate and property, and you're investing with somebody, and you do meet the tenant at the property, you take a glance and just casual walk by of that tenant's car, and you see what shape that interior of the car is. If there's 40... Oh, this is brilliant if already. There, if there is 40 McDonald's wrappers and that car in, inside is just absolutely filled to the brim with trash, guess what your investment property is going to look like? Well, then let's take this on a 180. Say you want to do business with somebody. Say you want a relationship with somebody, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever. This can be applicable to any type of relationship. How does the inside of their car look like? And I'm not talking about after an eight-hour trip where they had to have a bunch of food in it. I'm talking about over a month or two span. If you're going to go in and trust somebody in a business venture and they can't take care of the inside of their car that they get out of in and out every day, how do you think you're going to trust them and be able to give them and trust them with such huge responsibilities, have access to capital that you both share? Not a chance. If they can't take care of 40 square feet, exactly. how are they going to take care of your entire property or your business or your relationship? Man, this, this is such an amazing max out moment because this is going to do two things. People are going to take your advice and go look at people's car. And I think, man, this this spans like before you hire an employee, go look at their car. Before you rent a, you know, rent a property to them, before you have them as a business partner, before you have them in a relationship. But also, too, there's a lot of people going to go out this weekend and clean their car. <laughs> yeah, and and that's not illegal. Don't you can't you know go in and and make your decision just off of that. But that is a good tip if you have the opportunity and you did walk by and see it. Help that. Let that help make your decision. You I know. need you to send me your resume and pictures of your car in the next four minutes, please. It. <laughs> it's amazing. You know. All right, man. Such awesome tips, tactics, takeaways. For all of you out there, go out there this weekend, clean your cars, number one. Number two, use that very logical, tactical piece of advice when you're looking at renting a property to somebody, hiring somebody, being business partners, being in a relationship. I love that, man. We've learned so much. How do people follow along? How do they catch up with you? How do they contact you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook, websites? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, I think the majority of the listeners are going to have an Instagram or Facebook, so go follow me on there. Shoot me a direct message. I will do my best to respond as quickly as possible. I'd love to grab coffee. You know, we are out of, I'm actually out of the Athens area now. So if if you're wanting to drive here, you're already located in the area, just give me a, give me a direct message and I'd love to um, get in contact with you. All right. Is it Chris Petty on Instagram? That's it. Chris Petty 15 and Facebook is Chris Petty. All right, man. I love it, dude. This has been awesome. It's been fun to catch up. Um, I, I love the way you're approaching life and business and freedom and passive income. It is a lesson that everybody should be implementing on some level in their life. With that, you all go out, have an awesome weekend, get stronger, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. 
We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.